CBHDD is reminding people that the Georgia Crisis and Access Line can help those worried about opioid and stimulant misuse. The toll-free number is online and is active 24-7. More information at opioidresponse.info. You're listening to Nothing Funny About Money. I'm Matt Gorin. And I'm Timmy Jorgensen. Timmy is in the financial planning program here at the University of Georgia. You're an experienced financial literacy educator. Yes. You give talks around town. Yeah. And uh, you own a, a dog. I do. What I do. is your dog? It's called a Mastador. She's half chocolate lab, half English Mastiff. That's a big dog. She is. Yeah. Huh. And her name is Molly. All right. We'll be talking about Molly because on today's episode, we're talking about pets. When you think of pets, money might not immediately come to mind, but maybe it should. From adoption to routine care to the emergency room, pets can be expensive. Oh, these little guys are so cute, though. We are joined today by a special co-host, Kathy Bradbury, the business manager here at WUGA. Well, hello. Thank you for joining us. Well, thank you for having me, especially on one of my favorite topics, my dogs. Good. (laughs) Happy to have you on. And you just became a dog mom for the second, second time. time. Yes, right. we originally adopted a what I call a weenie wawa. He's a dachshund chihuahua mix, right? <laughs> and he's very dramatic, <laughs> and he feels all the feelings. And we decided maybe he needed a pet. What's this weenie wawa's name? Because I don't know if I can say weenie wawa so many times <laughs> and like keep a straight face. His name is Bob. Okay, Bob. Okay. <laughs> That's better. <laughs> so Bob has a new... Pet, pet himself. Yes. And what is the new pet's name? Rosie. And okay. she is a small miniature fox terrier mix. And we got her from the local pound for about $50. That was the adoption fee. And then after that, we had to take her to the vet. And the first vet visit was about $300. Then after about three weeks, we had to take her for a final puppy visit because she was still a puppy to get her final vaccination. And that was another about $150. $500 in the first three weeks. Uh, yeah. Were you surprised by all those hits? A little bit. But I think it was more expensive because she was a puppy. But for any dog, you're going to have to, if they need spay or neuter surgery, and then that first vet visit. Yeah. And see, that's another thing. I spent maybe 90 or or $100 on leashes and collars and puppy pads to see if we needed to puppy train her and gates to keep her in the kitchen so that we could puppy train her. And we ended up with, I call it a kennel. A lot of people call it a crate. A crate, yeah. 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 That we had from a family member that was given to us. But if you wanted one of those, that would be about $75 as well. For a small dog. For a small dog. Yeah, our crate was like 130 Right. Because our dog's big. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So lots of costs immediately, which you were already somewhat familiar with because you had the two-year-old dog. Yes. Some people might not be aware of all these costs. It's a lot more than just adopting the dog, for sure. And you mentioned the adoption fees. You got a a mixed dog, Mm -hmm. a mutt. I'm okay with that word. Is that an okay word to use? Are your dogs mutts? I use the term lovingly. I mean, oh, good. I mean, a weenie wawa. Of course, that's a mutt. It's not. <laughs> it's not a purebred. He's beautiful. I love him to death. But he doesn't have papers, and that's fine with me. Some people really like the purebred dog. Does anybody here, Chris? Do you have a pet at all? Yes, 
I have three dogs right now. Okay, what are you? I say right now because one is a part-time resident. What breed are your dogs, or uh, are they a breed? I have a full-blooded Lhasa Opso. I don't even know what that is. That is a beautiful regal dog. It's a lap dog. That belongs in the house of the king. He's not kidding. Like, that's the genesis of that breed. And her name is Jolene. Yeah. And, and then I have uh, what at one time was called a designer dog. Okay. Which is a fancy name for we're going to charge you $800 for a mutt. So what I got was what's called an Ewok. Okay. And this is a cross between a Havanese and a Pomeranian. All right. And when it's a baby, it looks very similar to the Ewoks of Star Wars. Sure. Yeah. And you mentioned that that little Ewok costs $800. That's exactly right. Uh, the Lhasa Opso probably cost at least that. Around that, yes. Yeah. But now we have a, like I said, a part-time resident. Who's your part-timer? My son decided to do a really smart thing while in college and get a rescue a dog mm, because yeah. he's such big-hearted. And, and now it's your dog. And his <laughs> heart is much bigger than his brain, evidently. Or his lease agreement. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, we're sitting for that dog going on six to seven months now. So Okay. What no, kind of dog kind is of that? that? Well, they used to call him uh, an old Georgia Heinz 57 or... Yeah, a Good cur old. is that what they call it? Uh, it's like a, it's such a mutt. It's back to like the original dog, right? That's, I think right. that's what they call it. It's like a a hunting hound lab, everything put yeah. together. Yeah, he's a I, good dude. I actually prefer that kind of dog myself. Yeah. I, I like the look of dog. I like just <laughs> dog. dog, just dog. <laughs> yeah. yeah, some people like the idea of purebreds, but I want to rep shelter pets whenever I can. And to help do that, Chris and I recently visited the Athens Area Humane Society. And I got to speak with shelter manager Jed Kaler, and I learned something very interesting. One-third of shelter pets are purebreds. Which was surprising. Let's listen in. So somebody sees a puppy on your website, they get those heartstrings being tugged. They're like, I'm ready. I want to be a dog mom. Pretty much if they're interested in a specific animal like that, they would go directly to it and get to meet it, take it outside. We call those little meet and greets. And if it's in a foster home, then we would contact them and kind of schedule a time for them to bring the pet back. And then if they like the animal and they're able to take home that same day, if, um, if they're fixed or altered, spayed or neutered, then they can go ahead and just finalize the adoption if they want to. Or we have a program that we call Sleepovers or Foster to Adopts, and they can take them home kind of on a trial run, but we still cover all the expenses, feed them, pay for the medical care, stuff like that. Okay, so the the Sleepovers, Mm -hmm. that's no-cost trial run. Right. Free. Free trial run. Yes. That sounds like a great deal. It really is. How popular is that? Very popular. I'd say most rescues are... If the foster doesn't adopt the pet that's already an established volunteer with the rescue, they either become a foster later um, or a future volunteer, or they foster fail or adopt multiple times after that, typically. Yeah. Or you can't have only one, basically. Right. Well, dogs and cats like other dogs and cats. Yes. So, yeah, create a little family for yourself. exactly. Okay, so the sleepover part's free, and that Mm -hmm. sounds great. Yeah. If If you're not sure. Right. Why not? Yes. What's the adoption process look like? 
pretty easy. We've tried to streamline that, so it's it, that's not the cumbersome part. We want you to come in, fall in love with something, and then pretty much go home with it if, if it's the right fit for your family. So the kids come in, they're part of it. If you have other animals, we make sure that they're on board with getting a new uh, family member too um, because some dogs and cats don't like other dogs and cats so we don't want um, behavior problems or any kind of um, fighting or anything like that between the new siblings if we can prevent that so there you go so everything you said so far is what's in the best interest of the pet what's in the best interest of the family that's where your mind's at yeah always there's nothing about money you haven't said anything about money so far. My director pays the bills. Uh, we have a bookkeeper for that. And so, yeah, I'm kind of the uh, smile provider and the, the <laughs> happiness giver, if you sure. will. So, you sell yeah. smiles. Yeah, That's yeah. That's yeah. a good job to have. Yeah, so my payment from the public is, yeah, watching them take them home and be happy about that. Do the people who come in and adopt pay any fee at all? Yes, so we do have adoption fees, um, which covers the boarding of the animals, staff time, so we are a nonprofit, so we don't get any kind of assistance for that, so we have to fundraise, and so whatever we do pay out in food or vaccines, their spay-neuter surgery, um, staff time, like I said, or if they need, you know, a $1,000 leg amputation, which we have done that, um, then the 250 kind of covers all of that and so you can either go home with a dog that we spent nothing on for the same price which helps to encourage future funding for other animals that need it or we might just give you a very expensive dog for very cheap which uh, is sometimes the case and so yeah I get yelled at a lot about that I like to just give them to people <laughs> so yeah it's a so problem. you said 250 250 dollars is that how much it costs to a dog um, so it varies with um, dogs and cats adults kittens so we try to tier it everybody wants a puppy or a kitten so we try to make the price a little higher to make them stop and think do I really want to commit to you know 20 years plus with a puppy do I have time to potty train it you know am I gone 10 hours a day things like that kittens can be a little rambunctious and climb the curtains and things so (laughs) if you want a sedate cat to watch tv with then yeah. the the fees are set that way to give you that if that's what you want basically okay, so i come in let's say i want a kitten what am i on the the so books for are 150 um okay. and then yeah the adult cats are 100 and then adult dogs are 250 and the puppy or sorry adult dogs are 200 and um puppies are 250 so okay and that's so you get of course the animal you mentioned spayed and neuter yep. that's taken care of yep. vaccines yep any medical vetting, if you will. Okay. Yeah. So you come home with a new animal, and that's it. Yep. There's no extra costs. Yep. Why would someone not want to come here? They either don't know we exist, um, or they're just shelter pets tend to be seen as throwaways, castaways, something's wrong with them. And honestly, it's really not the case. Uh, we have a $700 purebred Yorkie, and his owner, um, unfortunately, is not in good health, and so her family decided to find a better home for him and instead of just kind of giving him away somewhere they contacted us so someone who is interested in getting a purebred dog could still come to the humane society yes they're here yes and there are breed specific rescues for that too so there are lab rescues atlanta lab rescue for instance does mostly labs or lab mixes yeah right so someone adopts the dog things are going great because all the medical care is taken care of but life happens you were just telling the story of the gentleman who couldn't take care of the dog. Three months later, six months later, it, it's overwhelming. Right. Do you play a part in this process of 
yeah. taking the dog's back or yes. the cat's back. So, yeah, we always want them to call us first. If for some reason it doesn't work out, we always take our animals back, of course, if we can. Um, so space allowing. So summertime is really hard to do that because everybody is, um, there's stray animals everywhere and stuff like that. So we try to focus our efforts really on saving animals from euthanasia. But if we have the space, we definitely will or we'll help facilitate rehoming it to somebody else by posting on social media or um, telling other rescue friends we have a really large network of people that just kind of do this every day. So if you're looking to adopt a purebred, rather than first forking over 800 bucks, take a look at what's at the Humane Society. Other shelters, you might find the dog that you want for $700 cheaper. Absolutely, yeah. And Chris and I also got a chance to speak with the executive director of the Athens Area Humane Society, Jane Stewart. And what we learned is that the Humane Society, like any nonprofit, has some needs. I heard one person say as they brought in like three or four people we're here for the petting session yeah they were just there to (laughs) pet the pets and i was like blown away that someone would drive all the way out there and then try to find a parking space and then do all that just because they wanted to go in and love on some animals that's right if you have the itch go scratch a dog yeah go uh, hang out with some (laughs) puppies at the humane society and that was free it was free free pets (laughs) There are some cat cafes. You guys familiar with that idea? Yeah. Yeah. You can pay to go pet cats. Just go to the Humane Society. It's free. Save money, get the same experience. Absolutely. The Humane Society here in Athens needs more space, and they are currently looking for help getting more space through donations. So if you are wanting to help out the Humane Society, go to AthensHumaneSociety.org. They've got a donation button Click that, help them out. And one thing also to note is that the Humane Society is a no-kill shelter. Those animals stay there as long as they need to until they get adopted. If that's something you want to support, AthensHumaneSociety.org. Click that donate button. We have just hit the tip of the iceberg. Pets are expensive. Coming up, we talk about ongoing pet costs, some which are a bit weird and surprising. And later on, we'll dive into a pet parent's worst nightmare, having to take a sick animal to the vet. Stay tuned. Support for Nothing Funny About Money comes from Elwood and Getz, Athens' only wealth management firm registered with the National Association of Personal Financial Advisors, offering fee-only comprehensive retirement planning. AthensWealthManagement.com. Welcome back. We've been talking about adopting a pet, and I, too, just got a new pet. This is a very rare species of beetle, and I am proud to call it my own. You're into bugs? I I didn't know this about you, Matt. Yeah, not usually, but the guy at the pet store was saying this one is quite special. It looks like a cockroach. To the untrained eye, perhaps, it is a Periplaneta brunier, and I am told... You can find them in ancient royal palaces and woodsheds. What made you decide to bring this home? Just look at that little face. How can you say no to that little face? No, it's, that's gross. It's gross, Matt. It looks dead anyway. No, it's hibernating. What? This species hibernates in the summer. Oh, no. Uh, and then they uh, wake up in the in the winter. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Uh. Oh, man. God, what a... 
rip off. I'm so sorry, man. Uh, how much does this pet store charge you for what is obviously a dead cockroach? I I don't even want to talk about it. No, how much was it? Four hundred dollars. Four hundred dollars, Matt. You said live a little. We're not taking any credit for that idea. No. Stupid dead bug. Ah! Oh my God! No. It's running around ah! the studio. Oh, Get geez. something. I told you he was sleeping. <laughs> oh my God! Look at that thing. Oh. oh. Welcome back again for real this time. Next up, some breaking news. You may have noticed far more pets on planes recently, and you'd be right. The number of pets on planes jumped 75% from 2017 to 2018. That's because pet owners simply had to register their pets as emotional support animals to get them on the plane for free. This has led to a flurry of complaints from passengers and now even the airlines themselves. Delta, United, and American Airlines have all filed official requests to increase regulations on what pets count as service animals. We are joined today by Chris Shoup, Kathy Bradbury, and Timmy Jorgensen. What do you all think of having pets on planes and this new clampdown effort? I travel with two small animals that you know, are part of my family, You're a.k.a. Human. my children. You're human animals. <laughs> yes. And they think it's very fun that there are dogs on the plane. So are you you're so pro? So I'm pro, but I'm also pro just because I have a dog and I understand the like, traveling gets really tricky with the dog. Yeah. yeah, it also gets really cramped, so I'm the curmudgeon in the room. I think they should not allow that. Ideologically, I agree with pets on planes, though I have heard they're bringing, like, reptiles and sure. birds and all kinds of wild animals. Eh, there Maybe there's a line there that shouldn't be crossed. Right, yeah. so we're, there is this line of... Pets on planes that you have to pay for. And by the way, the industry average is $125 per dog. If you're going to have a pet to ease your emotional trauma, I'm going to need a bar tab to ease mine. <laughs> that's where the $125 See, comes in, right? That's right. You just transfer it over. Yes. Yeah. Right. You can buy alcohol on planes still, I think. I, I know. I think that's right. I think right. he's sure, saying sure. if you bring your dog, you're buying his you're alcohol. Buying. You're buying around. Yes. Yes. <laughs> so that's from the other passenger's point of view. But what about for that individual's point of view who has that emotional need? Where do you draw the line? If someone has a diagnosed anxiety disorder, I'm okay, I think, with having the animals on the planes if they're service animals for people who need service animals. Mm -hmm. The new suggestion from these airlines to increase regulations is to get us to that point. I would agree with that, yeah. You listeners have your own opinions, and we want to hear them. If you get on our Facebook page or our Instagram page or our website, shoot us a message. Let us know what you think about having pets on airplanes. We'll discuss. We'll have a good time. We want to know what you think. Bringing a pet in an aircraft is not the only way those furry little guys can cost you. The American Pet Products Association conducts an annual survey, and we've got the results. Food in this survey, by the way, costs the average dog owner $235 a year about the same as the average cat owner, treats an extra $72 a year for the average dog owner. Treats is pretty standard. I buy probably a bag or two of treats every month. Most of the time, 
the dogs don't like whatever it is, and so you end up giving that to somebody. Mm-hmm. And then you buy another bag of treats and hope they like this bag. Yeah, and finding the right dog food. Mm. When yeah. you have a big dog, it can be a really painful experience because it's so much more expensive to buy mm-hmm. the smaller bags to try it out. So you're trying to be frugal, and then you get this thing home, and you're like, well, great, you don't like it. I have 50 pounds of this. Like, what am I, how am I going to get rid of 50 pounds of dog food? That's even specialized, like 50 pounds of mm-hmm. large breed puppy chow. And you can't, you already opened it. It's not like Walmart's going to be like, okay, <laughs> we'll take that back. I have put like wet food on top of food that they didn't yeah. like, but then you're talking another dollar or more a can to put on top of food that they already don't like to try to get them to eat it. Or you've got a dog that's got a special diet. Like I had a dog that needed canned vegetables on her meal because she was a bit overweight and the vet said that would be a good way to get her to eat stuff that wasn't calorie rich. She didn't like it, by the way. (laughs) And she's like, I may not be the smartest person in the room, but I am the smartest dog in the room. Did your dog pick around the vegetables? Yes. Yeah. I'm always amazed by that. The dogs seem to just, and then leaving perfectly licked clean vegetables in the food bowl. On the flip side, my dog, because she sits under the baby's high chair, loves bananas mm. and she mm. will try and steal bananas from other people while they're eating them. <laughs> nice. but she has a really shiny coat and probably no muscle cramps so i guess it's okay uh, yeah all the <laughs> potassium uh, my dog likes carrots that's his mm. thing we turn it into a like a little game so i'll take a little baby carrot and i'll throw it and he'll go chasing after a baby carrot so we make it work and there's all sorts of other things that we give our pets toys how much would you guys guess? How much is reasonable to spend on toys? I will say my dogs have a bin of toys. Like I said, we don't have children. These are our children. They have a bin of toys. And you got to think a toy costs anywhere from $4 on the cheaper end to 10 to 15 on the more expensive. We generally go for the cheaper end. They have 20 of them, I know, in the in the bin. So, you know. 200 bucks, is that right? Did uh, I do my mental math right? The great thing about the toys, too, is that, especially if you have a bigger dog, it's a great way to increase your vet bill as well because (laughs) bigger dogs just eat those toys. They do. Mm -hmm. They tear them apart. Yeah, Mm -hmm. so. On the flip side, they just eat anything. So if you're not buying the toys, then you're buying shoes again. That's true. Part Mm. of your couch again or whatever it is. So, you know, and I think with puppies and teething and Mm. bigger breeds, you go through a lot of toys, like where you think this big thing of tennis balls should last a while, and four days later you're like, I, "How did you literally process those?" Like a wood chipper, I don't understand. But those jaws are so powerful. Yeah, mm-hmm. just look at your dog's teeth and those jaw muscles. I've tended to buy the indestructible toys, which is a lie. No toy yeah. is indestructible, <laughs> but they at least last a little bit longer. Plushies? Who's buying plushies for these dogs? I don't get it. Those Our things dog are dogs. Small dogs. Yeah, small dogs. Really? And, and if you have kids with plush toys, mm. I'll buy my dog one with, they call them, um, I don't know, they don't have stuffing. So they're already flat, but it right. then it goes in her kennel and she, or her crate, and she gets used to it, and that's hers. So if she ever gets caught with another toy, you can like bring it back. Mm-hmm. This is yours. You don't get to chew on that. Oh, okay. And so it can be useful. Mm-hmm. I've noticed that. the plushies last about eight minutes. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that was a good use of my $10. For a good, I mean, for smaller dogs that don't 
get too much into destroying things. Plushies are pretty good. Okay. So like, there you go. So And yours are uh, 8 pounds and 12 pounds. Correct. So smaller dogs, plushies okay. But like anything that crinkles, my dogs love. We get toys that have crinkles and squeakers and plushes and this. And just to keep it's like a, a baby toy for a dog to keep them entertained. My dog would purposefully eat the squeaker out of the toy. <laughs> Uh, like surgically, yeah. like somehow would surgically <laughs> remove the squeaker in a tiny little hole and the squeaker was gone. The rest of the toy was fine. Does he eat the squeaker and then squeak when he barks? <laughs> some, yes, some of them Some of them have found their way into the uh, digestive system, yes. Mm-hmm. Others just laying around. Mm-hmm. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, yeah. Apparently dogs like the sound of the squeaker because it sounds like a dying little animal. Oh, God. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Next time... Cute little fluffy playing with the squeaker toy. It thinks it's murdering something. <laughs> Adorable. <laughs> Toys on average cost dog owners $47 a year. Cat owners $30 a year. There you go. Well, you buy a string for a cat. Hey, we learned from a veterinarian you're not supposed to give string to cats. Because they really? eat it. Mm. And that's bad. Yeah. That's real bad. Not good. So we just talked about all these different expenses that you can run up on. But one of the most expensive things you can do as a pet owner is remodel your whole house. The National Association of Realtors ran a survey in 2017. 52% of Americans remodeled their homes for a pet. In what way do you mean? Remodel how? That's an excellent question, Kathy. The number one project was adding a fence. Oh, well, sure. That makes sense. So if you did remodel your home, if you're in that 52%, 44% of you added a fence. Number two, added a dog door. Okay, that makes sense. 23%. Number three, installed laminate floors. Yes, and I will tell you why. Because those claws will ruin your hardwoods. So, yeah, those are all reasonable things then. So I wanted to know about the other 14% of remodelers. Oh, boy. Who were not reasonable <laughs> at all. And for that, I turned to YouTube. We went to the shelter and adopted a couple cats, and that's just started down the road. Cheesecake, chocolate, nutter, butter, crumple, rumple, cookie, poppy seed, kuro, nui, secret, wasabi, coffee bean, donut. Those were all the names of their 15 cats And what makes this house so special is that they connected every single room with special catwalks. Catwalks, I think the first one I built in 1995 actually was this one. For the walk, just the walks, I've probably spent $40,000 or $50,000. Are you going to talk about how he had to cover the tub with fiberglass and then one of them turned the water on and it flooded and so he now has holes in the fiberglass so that if they accidentally turn the water on it doesn't flood the house no i wasn't but that's that's interesting he mentions in the video too that it wasn't covered that his insurance wouldn't pay for it right because it was caused by a cat not like a natural disaster or some flaw in the house a sentient being turned the water on and flooded it Goodness. They're giving too much credit to those cats. Yeah. Okay. So giant insurance bill, all these improvements, $50,000 just on the catwalks alone. And if you want to watch that whole clip, check it out on YouTube. It's by House TV, H-O-U-Z-Z TV. You can also check them out on their Netflix special. 
fun stuff. Next up, we are going to talk about going to the vet. And speaking of the vet, we've given a talk at the vet school. The average vet student takes out about $150,000 in student loan debt. That's right. Kathy's making the surprised <laughs> face at me. Uh, when they graduate, they only make an average of $60,000 a year. So that's a lot of debt for that salary. And fortunately, as financial planners, we were able to give them some suggestions for how to cut down that debt or even get rid of it entirely. Like magic. That's all right. Want us to help out your organization? We're talking schools, businesses, conferences, churches, children's birthday parties. Reach out. If you can believe it, Matt is even more entertaining in person. Hard to believe, I know. We've got to take a break now, but stick around. Plenty more to talk about when it comes to pets and money. Support for Nothing Funny About Money comes from Canon Financial Strategists, an advisory firm that helps organizations and individuals design, maintain, and monitor retirement plans for a better financial future. More information available at canonplanners.com. Hey, buddy, I'm home. Where are you? Oh, come on, not another mess on the rug. I even came home from work to let you out. Oh, hey there. You made a big mess again. What's the matter with my boy? Oh, what? what's this? What's in your mouth? What? Why do you have so much paper in your mouth? Buddy, what did you eat? No. Oh, no. My blueprints. Buddy, no. Bad dog. Why would you eat all these? Why is the carpet all wet? Oh, you knocked the vase over, buddy. Buddy, no! Come here! Ah, uh, buddy! My rare china! Ah! My dad's urn! Buddy, stop! Stop, buddy, stop! Sit! Buddy, sit! Bad dog! Bad dog! This is what we had to move out of the last house! Buddy, no! Down! People at the dog training academy would be very disappointed in you! You should be ashamed of yourself! Bad! Bad dog! No, don't go outside! Buddy, no! Sorry, Mrs. Henderson! Buddy, come here! Don't go into the neighbor's yard! Oh, God! Your car's on fire! Are you okay? Look, I'm really sorry, just... Buddy! Buddy! Bad dog! That's it! You're sleeping in the kennel tonight! Buddy! Welcome back. Before the break, we were talking about all the little costs of owning a pet that add up into big bucks. But all of those little expenses are dwarfed by the cost of pets' medical care. The same survey we spoke about before from the American Pet Products Association had a lot to say about the cost of veterinary medicine. To me, the things that jump out are the medications, the monthly medications, and that is definitely a thing to consider. Another line item that jumps out is the uh, surgical visits and emergency care for dogs mm. versus pretty much all other pets is mm -hmm. way up. I did have a dog one time that had like a cancerous growth along the jaw. There were so many options, one of which was chemotherapy, which was thousands of dollars. I didn't go that route. But there was like a surgical option that was about $500 a year. I mean, there's so many options for dogs that I think you get so attached to your dog that you tend to want to spend more money to keep them around longer. Yeah, I would agree with that. We uh, we had a dog 
that ate almost an entire bottle of Gorilla Glue. Oh, my God. No. So if you know how Gorilla Glue works, once it interacts with liquid, it turns into foam, hardened foam. Mm. And so his entire stomach filled. It was like about the size of a cantaloupe with foam, hardened oh foam. Oh, my gosh. Took him in. They did some x-rays, and they said, we can tell his stomach is full, but we're not sure if that's like if it's all Gorilla Glue, we can't really tell. So they had to keep him for observation. We ended up having to have his you know, stomach cut open, and they removed this whole thing. And and then he got home, and he's like, has like you know, 15 stitches or something down his belly. And he's like, I'm going to jump the fence. I'm going to run oh around because he's on this oh my pain God. medication. Wow. You know, they're animals that are not they're not feeling the consequences. So naturally, he was less inclined to be careful. And oh yeah. So that was a whole thing. But he's part of the family. Mm-hmm. What do sure. you do? So. So that survey found the average dog goes to the vet 2.7 times a year, and that's $200 per visit. And if you're looking at some of the surgery stuff like you're talking about with the swallowing Gorilla Glue, my dog broke his neck last year, and mm-hmm. that was a very expensive surgery. You're looking at more than $200. Yeah. Way more than $200. And one of the vets that operated on my dog was Dr. Jenny Good. She's a clinical assistant professor in the small animal hospital here at the University of Georgia. And I was fortunate to sit down with her earlier to learn why does the vet cost what it costs and then what can we do to manage those costs. What sort of cases do you see coming through the vet school's emergency room? So they really run the gamut. You can have a broken toenail. And dogs, for instance, have a quick, right? If you cut your nail too short, it really hurts. Right. Well, a dog has a long quick in that third digit. And if you okay. cut it, it will bleed. And people Oof. freak out, understandably, because there's blood everywhere. Yeah. The dog is running around the house. It looks like someone got murdered. So those people come in. Now, that's right. really easy to fix. That's a couple of stitches. It's not even stitches. You not put even. silver nitrate on it. You burn it closed. Oof. It takes two seconds. You could put a bar of ivory soap on it. So you could actually take care of it at home. Practical tip. But most people, yeah, (laughs) most people don't want blood all over their house, so they come in. But you could take a bar of ivory soap and hold it on there until it stops bleeding. Okay, so that so that would be one extreme. That's the low end. Then you get things in the middle of the road, which is my dog's been vomiting and having diarrhea all over my house for twenty four hours, and maybe they just got into something, and it's no big deal. They're Mm -hmm. not obstructed, right? So dogs like to eat things. Cats are much smarter, except when it comes to string. I was going to say, cats and string. Cats don't eat socks, but they do eat string. Dogs will eat anything, I have found. And so if your dog eats something like a sock and they can't pass it down their gastrointestinal tract, then that becomes a surgical emergency, right? Because if you don't take it out, they can rupture their intestine. They get a hole, and then then gut contents go into— And then that's kind of game over, it's it's think. no you can also no. go to surgery for that oh, well, but it's a lot more expensive <laughs> sure. because at that point you have a septic patient meaning there's right. bacteria outside of where it should be so what are we talking then you're saying expensive so for example we actually have a puppy in our ICU right now who had a foreign body he had a linear foreign body it was some sort of long piece of material and it sat in there and he had to come in and at that point this little 4 month old puppy has a high fever, his blood pressure is low, he's dying, he goes to emergency surgery, he needs all this care. So within the first 24 hours, between various blood products, surgery, 
antibiotics, fluids, nutrition, all of this, those people in 24 hours probably spent $5,000. First 24 hours. And keep in mind, this is also because, though, I want to state, when that puppy goes to surgery at 8 o'clock on a Saturday night, they have a boarded surgeon on call. They have a third-year resident who is training. They have a dedicated nurse. They have a dedicated anesthesiologist. They have critical care people at their beck and call to make sure that they have all the right stuff. The equipment we're using, right down to the fluid bags, the IV catheters, the titanium plates for fractures, those are all the exact same products that you're getting in a human hospital. So that's a lot of where this, you know, where this money is going. The little Boston Terrier that mm-hmm. you're familiar with. Yes, Cooper. Cooper. We spent a little more than $5,000. Yep. He had a pretty intense little surgery himself. He had a cervical disc, correct? Is that what he had uh, in his you, neck? You tell me. I don't know. I think he had, so he <laughs> Broke had, his neck. That's what I said. Okay. He had a, yep, he had a cervical fracture. Four days, I think, of being in the hospital. Mm-hmm. And, and that went well. <laughs> it did. It went very well. He recovered fully, as far yeah. as I can tell. $6,500 for that. As you're saying, all these specialists involved, it's almost amazing how cheap it is when we consider how expensive human medical treatment is. Some people will hear that bill. How do they respond to that? Do, peop- do most people take it in stride? There are some people that, you know, I think it's part of the human condition that when you're afraid, you get angry, right? We see that in a lot of people. And that's very true of a lot of our clients, as it is of our pets. And so some people will become very agitated and get very angry and become abusive. But the mm. vast majority of people do not. Some people they get very sad because they know it's going to be really hard. Some people just need to think about things and absorb it. And some people are just open and say, okay, I can't, Doc, I can't do that. I can't. And that's okay. Right. You know, there should never be a judgment on someone because they can't afford something. I think where it gets hard for us is when people can't afford something, but they, they won't stop. They, they insist on the treatment. They insist on the treatment or they take an animal home that's suffering, and that's really hard. Yeah. Why isn't there insurance for animals, or have we gotten to that yet? There is. Yeah. There is, and I'm really glad you brought that up. So even 10 years ago, there was just one company, VPI, and that was about it. The market is now so much bigger. I have pet insurance. I'm a veterinarian, and I have pet insurance on my dogs because my dogs aren't that bright, and one of them definitely (laughs) – I could definitely see something yeah. happening. And I don't have I don't have six thousand dollars. I don't have that money. One of my dogs is a pug. So if anyone knows what pugs look like, right? They don't breathe really well. They have a lot of issues. <laughs> His rates are a little higher than the other dingbat. I knew going into it that I was gonna need some kind of help. And so looking at it, they they really there were a lot of good options out there and way more than there used to be. And so I think if you Google pet insurance, you can get, I mean, just some of them, a VPI is still out there, Embrace Pet Insurance, the ASPCA has a pet insurance, pet partners, there are many. And their rates really aren't that bad. I think the other option is to say, well, this is the amount that I would pay in pet insurance every month. I'm going to put that money aside in a bank account. And if you don't have a pug, like I do, who may have a problem every year, let's say you have a healthy mixed breed dog, if you save that money up for eight years, when your dog potentially gets older and does have a serious issue, you might have that money there. You could look at both options and decide which was better for your family. So especially in some of these cases where you just don't have the money lying around, that insurance can really be helpful. What are some other things that you all do to make payment easier for people? 
care credit is a pretty decent option for a lot of people if you have good credit. Care credit is a, a really good company in that they will look at your credit. And they will say, okay, you've been approved up to this amount. And then they do six months, no interest. After that, it's a pretty onerous interest rate because they got to make a living, I guess. But that six months can be a really good buffer. Anything else that you all do? Funds. People always ask about, they say, don't you have funds? And it depends. Where I worked in New York was a not-for-profit hospital. And there were a lot of very wealthy people that donated all this money. And there were lots of different funds. We don't have that pool of donors down here or not that I'm aware of. Anyway, they're not given to the hospital as far as I know. So we try our best. There are not official funds. There are some funds available for very particular cases. So for the otherwise healthy dog that has something happen that has a very good prognosis, say a broken leg, there may be funds available to help pay part of that bill. It's not an official thing, and, you know, I don't want the understanding to be that, oh, well, UGA has funds, so if I go to UGA, there are funds. There aren't. It's very specific. We do try in certain cases to see. Right, so you may as well ask, it sounds like. What usually happens is that if you do not have your own money and you are denied care credit, because that's the other thing, you have to be denied care credit in order to be eligible, In that case, depending on what the condition your doctor has, we usually approach people and say, well, could you cover this? Oh, I see. You know, I wish there was more money out there, but right now there's not as much as we would like. For our listeners on NPR, if you care about pets and want to help some (laughs) lower-income people, uh, yes, to inquire with the yeah the development program, it really um, it it can be a big help. What are some other practical tips you have for? people managing the money side of the emergency room for pets? Prevention is always the number one thing. So just being aware, uh, for instance, I see people jogging with their dogs in August in Georgia. That's not a good idea. Don't do that. And your dog won't end up in the ER with heat stroke. Um, Try to be aware that if you have a dog that is prone to eating things, to really be vigilant I mean, my kids can't have balloons with strings because we have two cats. And mommy's so mean because she cuts off every string. But I don't want to pay for a linear foreign body surgery. I cannot afford to pay for that. And money is not the be-all, end-all. The other thing we're talking about here is preventing sick pets from being in a lot of pain and going through a lot of trauma. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, you want to prevent that if you can. Also, obviously, wellness care, just the same for people, right? If, if people are able to go get regular checkups, they are less likely to have a big problem down the road. That's valuable advice. Flea and tick prevention. Heartworm prevention sure. down here. Right. I mean, heartworm. Yeah. So many things. Right. So think about this ahead of time. Yes. Save your, your pets the trouble. Save yourself the money. <laughs> That's great advice. Well, just one last thing that, you know, not to be a downer, but understand that if your pet is really suffering, sometimes a very loving thing to do is to let them go. And I have done it with my own, and it can be heartbreaking. It's okay to be at peace with the decision that you are not going to let them suffer. It's nothing to be afraid of. It's in their best interest in some cases. Yes, absolutely. Well, thank you for that, Dr. Jenny Good. Thank you. Thanks for having me. So you heard it from Dr. Jenny Good. Lots of expenses go in to providing emergency care for little doggies and kitties and all those other pets. We've got to take another break. But before we go, 
Quiz time! What is the average lifetime cost of owning a dog? We'll get you that answer as well as some information on estate planning for pets after the break. Nothing Funny About Money is supported by listeners like you. You can find more information about how you can support public radio at nothingfunnyaboutmoney.org and wuga.org. Welcome back to the show. I'm Matt Gorin. I'm here with Chris Shoup, Kathy Bradbury, and Timmy Jorgensen. Before the break, we asked, what is the average lifetime cost of a dog? What do you guys guess? One million dollars. No, it's never that high. Okay. It's never that high. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to hazard a guess at $10,000 over the course. Oh, no. That's way more. Thirty. $5,000 over the lifetime of a dog. Oh, goodness. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, but if he lives 10 years with you, that's only 3500 a year. Only. Merely. <laughs> so that same survey also found that people underestimate the cost of a dog, as you started doing. The average person is off by seven times. Wow. They think the dog will cost just one-seventh of what it actually does. And dogs are relatively expensive, 35000 Average cat, 27000 Average rabbit, this is what I was surprised by, $16,000. For a rabbit yeah. that lives in a cage? What? Does that include replacements that look exactly like original <laughs> rabbit? Is this, is this per actual rabbit or per rabbit the child thinks is still original rabbit? Yeah, the 45-year-old rabbit. <laughs> We're on the ninth one. Yeah, wild those figures come from CNBC 2017. Moving right along, as we reach the end of this episode, we're going to talk about the end of our lives. Like our pets, we ultimately pass away. But when our pets pass away, we can keep going on with our lives. Pets don't have that option. They depend on us for everything. Keeping that in mind, many pet owners decide to leave something behind for their pets. Next up, we'll learn about one person who left quite a bit behind. Here again is author and teacher Danny Kofke. Hey, this is Danny Kofke, and I'm here with this week's Wealthy Person. Every episode, we will focus on someone that lives a wealthy life. However, this week, we are going to switch it up a bit and focus on someone that had a lot of money but was not wealthy, Leona Helmsley. Leona was an American businesswoman best known for her flamboyant personality and controlling behavior. She earned the nickname Queen of Mean. With her husband, Harry, the Helmsleys built a New York real estate empire that included 230 Park Avenue, the Empire State Building, and the Tudor City apartment complex on the east side. Despite having a net worth of over $1 billion, she was convicted of tax evasion and served 19 months in prison. Ironically, she reported a prison on April 15, 1992, tax day, rubbing some salt in the wound. She died in 2007, and here is what makes her not wealthy. In her will, she left her dog, a white Maltese named Trouble, a $12 million trust fund. Yes, you heard that correctly. $12 million. Come on. How many bags of organic kibbles and bits can a dog eat? Trouble lived in Florida at the Helmsley Sandcastle Hotel and received several death threats. Maybe the cats next door weren't fond of Trouble. 
Her caretaker stated that $2 million would pay for Trouble's maintenance for more than 10 years. This included $8,000 a year for grooming. You know, dogs need to get their hair and nails done weekly. And $100,000 for full-time security. I am guessing the security detail included pit bulls that were packing. Now, we have a sweet little Maltese, too, named Axel. Axel, if you're listening, I hate to break it to you, buddy, but if I go before you, you are getting nothing. I love taking you for a walk and how you play with my daughters, Ava and Ella, but no can do. If you want a special toy, you better look at me with those puppy dog eyes now. Leaving $12 million to a dog is something I can't even begin to comprehend. I definitely think she had a little trouble with reality. In fact, I am not the only one who feels this way. In a judgment published in June of 2008, Manhattan Surrogate Court Judge Renee Roth ruled that Helmsley was mentally unfit when she executed her will. Hence, the court, amid settlement, reduced the $12 million trust fund for the pet trouble to $2 million. Poor trouble. I don't know how she managed to make it on that measly amount. Trouble died at the age of 12 in December 2010, with the remainder of the funds reverted to the Leona M. and Harry B. Helmsley Charitable Trust. Although Helmsley's wishes were to have the dog interred with her in a mausoleum, New York state law prohibits interment of pets in human cemeteries, and Trouble was cremated instead. But we all know Trouble is in a better place now, since all dogs go to heaven. Until next time, here's the Living Wealthy. So what do you think, everybody? Was Trouble screwed out of a lot of money? Was that fair to Trouble? What did the dog do with $2 million? Gambled I mean, it that away. Life? He gambled yeah. it away at the, at the craps table. Yeah. You know, you've seen, had you've a seen, problem. You've seen those, poker. Po- yeah, you've seen those portraits. <laughs> yeah. You've seen the pictures. You've seen the, sure. yeah. the Maltese in that painting yeah. is trouble. With the little hat. Yeah. Also, how old is this trouble when he's receiving this inheritance and, you know, how much time? I think time? He, he lived for about four more years. Okay. Well, so then $2 that million dollars like in four years. That's a nice considering. Stipend. Yeah. Considering the average dog costs $35,000 over their yes. lifetime, I think trouble was probably fine. Okay. Well, that's your opinion. I think Trouble might have been upset about it. (laughs) At any rate, we started this section out with a pretty outrageous story, but estate planning for pets is actually really important. At a minimum, make sure you have established a formal caretaker. Get that in writing. Yes, and make sure the person you choose to look after your pets knows you picked them. And agreed to it. That would uh, be a big surprise, I think, if you didn't know. Here's my Great Dane. But I live in a studio apartment. (laughs) Yeah. Oopsies. Anyway, there is a bit more to it than just that. Back again to tell us more is author and consultant Kathleen Burns Kingsbury to break money silence on estate planning for pets. Hello, this is Kathleen Burns Kingsbury, a wealth psychology expert and author. And I'm here today with Breaking Money Silence, a segment aimed at empowering you to talk more openly and honestly about personal finance with your loved ones. This week, I want to discuss estate planning for your pets and why it's important to have money conversations about who will take care of your furry friend if you become ill or die. I know, talking about death and dying isn't a lot of fun, but it's important. Similar to making arrangements for your health and wealth as you age, it's helpful to consider who will care for your pets and pay for their care if you're unable to do so. 
Consider my cat, Avery Grace. Yes, she has a middle name. She is a member of the family. Vets call this humanization of animals, and I am guilty as charged. We rescued Avery from a shelter, and it would break my heart to know that if I became ill or died, that she would be returned to that small cage and potentially be euthanized to make space for younger, fluffier kittens. But like so many other pet parents, I've neglected to include any provisions for Avery's care in my will. It isn't that I consciously avoided this money talk. It's more like I didn't even know I needed to have it. Can you identify? Or maybe I'm just a bad pet mom. My curiosity led me to break money silence with my friends, my vet, and my estate attorney. And here's what I discovered. Less than 40% of dog and cat owners have named a pet caretaker upon their death. And only 12% of these owners have made financial provisions in their will. According to the legal world... Pets are property. I know, I don't think of Avery as property, but pets are property, so they can't inherit money. But you can assign a guardian and set aside funds to cover the cost of their care after your death. Most of my friends who love their pets have not broken money silence when it comes to pets and estate planning. But many of them feel bad that they have not addressed this issue, and my curiosity actually helped spark this money talk in their family. Okay, so... If you want to start discussing pets and estate planning and making arrangements for Fido or Fifi, um, should you be unable to care for them for the rest of their lives, here are a few questions to consider and to get the conversation started. Number one, who will be willing to take care of your pet? This one was hard. I have many friends who are very fond of Avery, but not all of them would be willing or interested in having her as a permanent boarder. I have a short list of people I plan to ask, and my hope is that one or two of them will agree. The second question is, how much do you need to financially set aside for your pet's care? This is where you have to do some math. Now, when I looked at food, litter, vet bills, annually, Avery cost me about $750. But this doesn't include unplanned medical care or medicine as she ages. So I doubled that annual number and multiplied it times 15 years in the hopes that Avery would live to 21 and came up with $22,500. Wow! Miss Avery is one expensive lady. The last question is, how do you communicate these wishes for your pet's care? Now, I'm a writer, so I'll write them down, and I'll also verbally communicate them to my estate attorney, the executor of my will, and Avery's vet. In addition, of course, I'm going to discuss my plans with her potential caregivers to give them peace of mind should they need to step in and become her pet parent. I hope Avery and I have many years of snuggling and playing together. But unlike Avery, who has nine lives, I only have one. It brings a smile to my face to know, with or without me, she will be just fine. For more Money Talk tips, check out BreakingMoneySilence.com. I'm Kathleen Burns Kingsbury, reminding you, if you have a financial question, don't keep it a secret. Break Money Silence. We focused on the money side of pet ownership today, but of course, money isn't everything. If you do run into money trouble with your pet, know that you're not alone. There are resources for you no matter where you live. Whether that's the Humane Society, a local vet, or even financial advisors, people like me and Matt can help you budget, make estate plans, all sorts of stuff. So if you're having trouble with any of this, reach out. Visit nothingfunnyaboutmoney.org and send us a message. Just look to the right side of the page. We also very much appreciate your direct support. Please visit our website and donate. We need your help to keep up the good work. If you work for a financial services organization, please consider underwriting our show. 
send us a message and let the world know you support public radio and financial education. Is that it? I think so. Thanks again, as always, to our executive producer, Chris Shoup, and our audio engineer, Garrett Burke. And thanks to our special guest, Kathy Bradbury from WGA, Dr. Jenny Good from the UGA Vet Med School, Jed Kaler and Jane Stewart from the Athen Humane Society, and Timmy Joy Jorgensen for guest hosting today's episode. And thank you for listening. Until next time. Peace. You've been listening to Nothing Funny About Money. This show is recorded in the studios of WUGA Athens on the University of Georgia campus. I'm Matt Gorin. And I'm Michael Thomas. Reach out. We'd love to answer your questions and help you achieve your goals. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram. And connect with us online at nothingfunnyaboutmoney.org. At a time when information continues to come at us faster and faster, sometimes you need to hit pause and rewind. NPR's Throughline takes you back in time to the source of the news stories filling your feed. Find NPR's Throughline wherever you get your podcasts.